0: everyone. My name is Jason Dingius. This is Lost Rhetoric, a dim space for light hearts where we discuss all manner of odd. This is the 50th episode. Thank you for being here with me. I really, really appreciate it. I've been telling myself uh, for weeks that I'm not really gonna make a big deal out of the 50th episode, and I'm still kind of not, but it is a pretty good milestone. It's pretty, pretty, um, I don't know, impressive. I'm proud of myself. I'm just going to say that. I'm, just, I'm pretty proud of myself for doing 50 episodes, I think, in about 51 weeks. So thank you all for sticking with me and, uh, you know, more to come. You know what I mean? Uh, but tonight, my guest is Tim Leach. You might know him by his other name, Spit Sticks. He's the drummer from the seminal L.A. punk band Fear. Uh, I know him personally from the bands Lickety and uh here in Portland, uh, just playing shows together and shooting the shit and just whatever hanging the fuck out doing doing local shit uh, but he and I gotta admit this I gotta be I gotta be upfront about this. He is the fill-in guest tonight. He is the substitute guest. Can you believe that shit? Uh, my original guest was chairman, the the vocalist from Nasal Rod. and uh, he got in touch with me a couple days ago. Uh, literally like fucking Thursday night, it's Saturday night, Saturday night right now uh, to let me know he was under the weather and he couldn't pull it off. And uh, he had talked to Tim and Tim was down. So I got in touch and we made it happen. So uh, thank you, chairman, for setting it up. And thank you, Tim, for doing it on short notice. Uh, You know, I've invited Tim on the show before. Um, and it was going to happen eventually, but I didn't know it was going to happen so soon. So thank you, Tim, for being so accommodating. Uh, we have a really, really great conversation about the Leach family history, three generations of seeing things in the skies and possibly being abducted. I mean, he's got a lot of stories, uh, from his dad himself, his brothers, and just friends. He's got a lot of secondhand stories, um, just that he tells during this conversation. So uh, stick around for that. And at the end, we, we, we spend some time talking music and movies and just have like a really fun conversation. And I hope you listen to the whole fucking thing. Cause I think it's great. Uh, so that's, what's happening tonight. Uh, so what happened last week? Well, I had a really awesome conversation with my friend, Adam Wilson from the band transient about hermits. And it really was an awesome, awesome, awesome conversation. i thoroughly enjoyed it. And I had a really good time researching that one. And uh, Adam was a great guest. And I hope you have listened to it. And if you haven't, go back. Check it out. It's well worth your time. Uh, so let's do what we always do. Who listened to episode 49 with Adam Wilson about hermits the most? Let's get into the top five. Uh, what do we got here? A one, two, three, four, five. Six-way tie at number five. Prairie du Chin. Wisconsin, I hope that's how you say it, uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Norfolk, Virginia, Huff, Ohio, Dallas, Texas, and Los Angeles, California. Number four, Anchorage, Alaska. Number three, Columbus, Ohio. Number two, Winchester, Virginia, back in the top five for, uh, man, it's been forever. So Winchester, you're back. Uh, Thank you for listening. And number one, for the first time in a while, Portland, Oregon. So, man... Portland and Winchester reclaiming the top spot. So thank you all, as usual, for listening. I sh- I truly, truly appreciate it. Um, now, this week, what am I listening to? Uh, first thing is The Mistins. They have an album called World of Convenience. You might remember Sean Krogan from episode 40, another great guest another great conversation uh man i'm just so lucky to have these amazing guests and these like great friends that come on to this fucking show uh i just wanted to say that real quick uh but yeah sean uh is in a band called the mistins and the album just came out and i'm gonna use their own words here this is exactly what they sound like kinetic urgent northwest garage punk and uh, when the album came out, they actually played a fucking garage. They they opened the garage door, played right there on the threshold, and folks just kind of watched from the driveway and the grass. And they kind of had a, a record release party here in Portland. So uh, I didn't go. Uh, I I didn't really know about it honestly, but it, that is a great idea. Uh, but the the record is fucking awesome. It's like you. Could, it sounds like you could just drop them in in a mix on a mixtape of any classic Portland punk. Band, and and they just blend right in and it seems like it was produced that way to sound that way like it's got this classic sound but really really highly recommend the Mistons. that's uh pistons with an m uh the next thing i've been listening to some friends up in squamish british columbia the endlessly talented folks in squamish uh zach sean and dave have a band called hacked apart they have a self-titled six-song demo uh, that you can find on Bandcamp. I'll post a link to it. And this is the fucking grindcore that I really, really thoroughly enjoy. This is kind of perfect for me and my taste. It's just brutal grind, and they but they've got groove. They've got these killer, like, fucking groovy death metal uh, riffs and breakdowns. And they got some they got some slick bass licks and shit in there. It's just really well done. Uh, so check out Hacked Apart. Um, Nathaniel Rateliff and Willie Nelson came out with a couple of songs. Like a single, I guess. Uh, it's called, they do a song called It's Not Supposed to Be That Way. And uh, it's good. It's a good song. It's like Nathaniel Rateliff kind of does like a Willie impression, honestly. But Willie's Willie. I've been listening to a lot of Willie lately, uh, but yeah, uh, the second song on this is kind of a Nathaniel Rateliff tribute to Willie Nelson called Willie's birthday song. It's really sweet. Um, and in our conversation, my conversation with Tim tonight, I mentioned a podcast that I've been listening to called, uh, one by Willie, where this guy sits down with musicians and that, Talk about one Willie song that they love, and uh, it's a great idea for a show. And I recommend uh, this Nathaniel Rateliff uh, two-song single and uh, the the fucking podcast one by Willie. Um, the screamers. Uh, this this comes up right at the top of the conversation. Actually, uh, they they have a, ma- a remastered or fucking finally mastered demo called uh, "Demo Hollywood" nineteen seventy seven it's just super ahead of its time synth punk from, from Los Angeles. It's really awesome energy. You can tell, like, I feel like it's a, it captures the energy of a live show really well. Like I, if you walk in in the middle of one of these tracks, blasting on the stereo, it's almost like you get the vibe of walking in into a show. It's just really great. And it's hard to believe it came. It came from 1977. Um, But uh, if you want to know more about The Screamers, listen to the uh, No Dogs in Space two-parter about it. It's really well done, and it gives the whole history of the band. Uh, Really, really cool story. This is the only true studio recording of theirs. They were this legendary band that didn't have any recordings but influenced so many people. And this is like an official release finally. So The Screamers, Demo Hollywood 1977, excellent Excellent fucking record, uh, and the last thing I listened to was the new DMX that came out called Exodus. Uh, you know, it's it's good. There's like a few good tracks. Uh, you know, he passed away recently, and it's a sad story. And the record was uh, in the in the works. I don't know if, how what how far it was from being done when he passed away. It was pretty damn close, I think. But there's a lot. There's a feature on every song. It's like a memorial. Uh, service of a record it's actually really nice that way because a bunch of people uh, on the record but you know it's not the best dmx but it's cool it's the best thing he's done in a long time i think but check that out if you're inclined to uh, listen to a lot of uh, dog growls and barks and stuff because it's dmx man it's fucking great um on that on that level anyway but that is what I have been listening to. Uh, what the fuck else? The, um, the exhumed excerpt from the Tomb of the Promulgated this week. Uh, keeping it light. Uh, also in the conversation with Tim tonight, uh, I'm, he tells a story of his first UFO encounter, his first sighting from Kachuma Lake, California in 1969. And uh, I found his actual report that he wrote in 2004, and posted online, and that is the exhumed excerpt. We we obviously talk about the sighting, uh, in in the interview, uh, but I wanted to read his uh, his take on it. It says sighted on Friday, the fourth of July, 1969. It was reported Monday, the fourth of October, in 2004. Duration: 15 minutes. All right, summer of 1969 in California. California's Kachuma Lake Campgrounds, two friends and I rented a boat. While sitting in the back of our rented boat, with the nose in the air, we could only look up. We thought it was a kite at first because of its shape. The high cloud cover it was weaving in and out of was way too high for it not to be huge. We turned off our engine and heard nothing. What we saw was more than ten sizes of a commercial airline. It was white or light matte gray and shaped like a bow tie. One of the sides of the tie seemed to move or blur. Our parents still remember how scared we were when we told them. And that is the actual report from Spitsticks uh, <laughs> that I found online. But we get into more detail uh, later in this discussion. So that is the exhumed excerpt for the night. Kind of silly. I hope you enjoy it. But that's... that's it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, man. Let's just get into it. Here's Spitsticks and I, and what he assures me is the only recorded conversation he's ever had about UFOs and aliens. So here we go. Hey, dude. Hey, what's going on, Tim? Good to see you. Likewise, man. How
1: you been? Oh, good. Good. (laughs) Fuck, how you feeling today? awesome had lessons all day so i'm done i got some stuff to do afterwards but uh the bulk is done good well we'll try to keep it uh nice
0: and succinct you know like uh two hours or more
1: yeah any i'm down for whatever <laughs> 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 fucking A, man. man. normally Dude, four hours
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll try not to do that um <laughs> man i was listening to that fucking uh screamers demo that they just released the remaster have you listened to that
1: no, not yet. I love Tomatoes was awesome. He's just monster entertainer. Dude. It's and he was so, so cool in person when I met him. The first time I saw him, uh, the rock corporation in LA and the valley, this is like probably February, March of 78. And I he was, you know, he just is intense. He's like, ah, that that cartoon of a guy screaming with the spiky hair, mm-hmm. that original punk uh car uh uh, artwork was him it's that's screamers you know right yeah he drew and that so, up well he had i don't know if he did he's an artist so he very well could have been oh may- yeah maybe he did he could have done that but it was this iconic picture that just right you know was the the image for punk rock in the va- in uh la dude yeah, but he- i went to see him and then he comes off stage and you know he's gay but i didn't know that but but when i shook his hand he was the the weakest little fishy handshake. It was like, how do you... you know, after going... <laughs> <laughs> just so incongruous, just like... I I didn't know what to expect. It was just like... How do you... It was just like the super faint handshake. It was very, oh, man. Very that's cute. awesome. Dude, yeah. They're, they're,
0: the energy of the demo is like... It's good. It's like they seem like they were... And I've heard they're uh, live. They were just incredible. So I, I feel yeah. like it kind of comes across in those demos. They like, were
1: cutting edge, dude. They were the first... The Screamers, uh, the Controllers were two of the first punk rock bands out of out of LA and out of Hollywood. And uh, and those those bands I went to see and was totally impressed by. KK the drummer for Screamers and Carla Maddog for for controllers were just awesome. They were def- definitely inspiring to me. Like, mm-hmm. oh shit, I gotta come up to that standard, you know.
0: <laughs> so they, they were just kicking up. it,
1: they were kicking it right out of the get-go. And then bands like the weirdos weren't giving up that kind of energy but they were great they were super entertaining and really like swarmy and just like you know the two brothers of the weirdos walk around the stage and it was it was just really entertaining the dills uh were the two brothers before rank and file those were the four bands i saw right away in la those were bands that uh uh i was impressed by and sort of realized okay this is a standard i gotta
0: yeah, man. Come
1: up with this. That's Alejandro Escovedo, right? Yeah, yep.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I just listened to his interview. There's this great podcast I just started listening to called Uh One by Willie, where a musician goes on and talks about this Willie N- uh, willie Nelson song that they love. Nice, <laughs> and his episode was great. <laughs> um, um, but speaking of bands from LA, uh, and what we're going to be getting into tonight, did you ever see uh Zolar X?
1: Do you know? Did you know Zolar no, X? I don't know. I'm I, maybe maybe I saw them. I just don't remember. <laughs> okay, back in the day, I don't. You know, I've, I had
0: I've... to ask because um I, I'm not going to act like I know a shit ton about them, except that they're from LA and they started in 1974 and they dressed up like aliens. And oh, wow, yeah, awesome. they yeah, and or I guess I they started they started in '73. uh They but they would dress and act like space aliens, and they spoke in an alien language. Of their That's own I invention. Saw, I
1: don't, I don't recall seeing them. <laughs> they, they may have not crossed into the punk genre either, because oh, man. punk was kind of exclusive once, because the exclusivity of the scene at the time was the, the disco scene was very well established, and you had to have nice wool gabardines and silk shirts and a, and a necklace with a little horn on it and your hair close <laughs> and platforms. There was all this uniform, right. To, to go to the disco Mm -hmm. punk was kind of the antithesis of that it's like you had to look not intentionally look bad but you didn't want to wear any of those things so there's this a lot of compartmentalization of of genres then so if you didn't fit into the punk genre you weren't going to get on a punk bill and that's probably why i didn't see them you know yeah
0: i guess you can't roll up dressing like aliens and talking it, the the irony of the punk scene is interesting though because it was like anti dress code then it became very much exactly
1: like a dress I know code. you could buy a, a cockney <laughs> outfit at Nordstrom's <laughs> <laughs> you know for $500 it's like wow this looks real <laughs> looks real,
0: real authentic um well yeah I I I'm not going to highly recommend Zolar X but I was listening to them and they're still around man they came out with a fucking single just this year oh and wow man i was listening to some of their shit from like eight nine ten years ago and it's it's honestly not that bad i'd say it's on par
1: with the best pink floyd tim damn nice they're jammed yeah, they, if they're around <laughs> 73 god i was still in high school but
0: <laughs> well, anyway i wanted to i wanted to
1: i wanted to bring them up maybe yeah, um the, the only band that i remember wearing like uh out- outfits was the aqua aquabots i think aquabots Aqu- all work is it the Aquabats? They all wear these like spandex uh, tight. Oh, outfits. Aquabats. Uh, yeah, Aquabats.
0: Yeah, they, yeah, yeah.
1: They did. They, I remember them. And the saxophonists sat in a couple times with fear. We've oh, no shit. Shows, and whether they were in the bill or in the neighborhood or whatever, I think the saxophonist sat in twice to play uh, New York's right. I Feel Like, saxophones with us. Dude,
0: that's fucking great. I think I saw them, shit, 98, 99 or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, fucking hey, man. That's great um well let's let's get into some alien shit let's let's <laughs> let's 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 uh segue from uh, zolar x and uh into uh the leech family uh ufo history because yeah. ap- apparently it's pretty damn extensive now but you're la born and bred right yeah so um your folks you said That your old man had a sighting in 1946
1: on Catalina Island when his band was playing a bunch of them. That's, I, it might have happened before that. I, I don't, I just know that the pictures that I have of his band was from it had to be post war because I know he was in the war, right? And he was in the army band, and the trumpet player got killed. Uh, so the lieutenant loved the band, so they moved the whole band off combat area so my dad never saw any fighting but he was in the war and uh so i'm assuming that picture is 46 when he got out of the war because he looks like he's about 30 or so there and he was i think i'm assuming 46 he was 29 so he told me multiple times he saw lights coming out of the ocean and going back into the ocean when he when he's playing catalina you know after and before you play you know, they would hang out at the beach and just like probably smoke weed and, and, you know, watch the water, watch the sunset or whatever. But he said, and he didn't tell me whether it was night or day, but he just said he saw lights coming in and out of the water on the West side, on the ocean side on the open ocean side of Catalina. And that's probably, I think Catalina is probably about 25 miles off the LA coast. Mm-hmm. So there's things under and above that he saw. And Mm-hmm. That's you know the only sighting that my dad told me about. He may have seen others, but that's the only ones he told me about. Well, I looked into Catalina, and it's a hot spot,
0: man. There's a lot of uh, UFO activity, and um, 1947 there was a pretty infamous incident. So I don't know if it's the
1: same one. It could have been. It could have been around the same time. I, yeah, I guess in that picture. You know, they played the Tiki Room. That band, the Mad uh bachelors Mm -hmm. played the tiki room for a while and then you know because i know uh when he got married to my mom uh probably in 49 or 40 or he had just joined another big band the psalmist brothers and then he was touring all the time he was like working all the time whereas uh, i think the mad uh bachelors probably was one of his first bands that i'm aware of anyways and but uh the the psalmist brothers were ended up being like a 25year career for him the oh, his wow. next band that started not that long afterwards so i know it had to be before uh 49 and after, and somewhere between 49 and 46 is when he saw those things right so 7 would won't surprise me if that yeah. yeah, picture could have been 47 because yeah, it, c- it was a couple years later that he joined a different band yeah i mean i like to think it it is,
0: or if he didn't see this exact sighting, uh, he at least saw something around the same time because uh, th- this this sighting, which I guess is kind of known as aliens over Avalon, I believe. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, because, uh, it, dude, it happened the same day that they that Roswell, the day or the oh, day word? before that oh, they crazy. that they re- they released the report about Roswell on July eighth you know, cause Roswell happened in June at some point Right so on July 8th, they released uh, the, re- the initial report of the flying disc. Um, that's the same day that there was these uh, six flying discs traveling at high speed from the Northeast and passing directly over Avalon. It says before disappearing over East peak. And I'm not familiar with uh, Catalina. But uh, it was uh, six, no, no, sorry. It was three army veterans that saw these six flying discs. And uh, it was around 1 p.m. And they flew during the day. It was, yeah, in broad daylight. And they flew in a formation of two sets of three. And apparently not only witnessed by veterans, but hundreds of others. So,
1: wow, makes sense. Shit. Maybe your old man was part of that. Maybe. Yeah. I I wish he was still around. I'd ask him. I'm, I'm, I know he says it was lights, so I'm assuming it was at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming, but he's and he said these lights, he didn't mention a shape. He just mentioned lights coming from the sky up in star level, growing bigger, 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 until they went in the water and disappeared. And then he, yeah. I suppose so. other times he saw things coming out of the water and shooting straight up.
0: Man, yeah, so these, US, they're USOs, like, you know, yeah, un-
1: Unidentified Submerged. Yeah, when they're underwater, sure. Yeah.
0: Dude, there's all right. So Catalina has this history. Uh 47 was a big one. Um, hundreds of witnesses. There's a film I'll post on the show notes from 1966 of a wingless craft flying over the island. Uh, there was another 1968 sighting that a guy had of like a strip of lights that was kind of like you know, doing these weird formations. Uh, and in 1980, there was another kind of infamous. USO sighting because it was a pilot named Noah Felice who claimed that a USO shot a beam of light at his small plane and it caused it to crash and it killed and it killed his cousin and i guess severely injured him as well. Damn. So that was apparently a USO encounter as well and there was another one I mean there's so many Catalina sightings apparently but there was also a family in 1982 that was sailing to the island Um, and they saw a huge object with a bunch of lights. They said a huge lighted object moving fast under the water. Like they saw it under this. Yeah. They saw it moving under the water kind of, um, for five minutes going from side to side and then in a crisscross pattern. And they said it was about 50 feet
1: in a circle. Wow. And and really bright. So. Doesn't surprise me. I mean, LA's there's there's a lot of sightings in L A. Um, my son lives in L A. He lives in West Hollywood, and he's seen quite a few. My uh, couple of my brothers have I've seen a bunch too. Um, my uh, two two of my brothers, I know three of my brothers have, including me. So four out of my five brothers have all seen UFOs.
0: And where where are you in the pecking order
1: of brothers? In the middle, two older, two younger. And all of you have seen something except my oldest brother. My oldest brother, as far as I know, he, I don't remember ever him uh, saying he saw anything. And your mother, and your mother either? My dad, uh, my mom, my mom doesn't, I don't think my mom would even admit to herself if she saw something. She was so (laughs) Catholic. It was like the devil, you know? Right. Even my dad, my dad's father uh, wouldn't accept anything paranormal either. That was like he showed my dad one time he was a hairbrush salesman, mm-hmm. and uh, a brush salesman, he was Scottish, and but he worked for a British company. So during the depression, he still had a salary. So my dad stayed at home until he was like 30. Because the Great Depression just put everyone out of work. Right. Uh, but his father one time showed him, uh, he took a hairbrush, one of these hairbrushes that he sells. And He put it on, held it up, put it on the wall and he let it go. And it stayed on the wall. And just, and of course, all the the kids were like, do it again, do it again. And he was like, that's the work of the devil. So, and this is what I, what I've heard about the Pentagon uh, keeping things under wrap and why we don't, why it hasn't been disclosed is because some people on the high up are very religious and they think this is the demon, this is demons or devils, and they don't want to open that can of worms. Yeah, they don't wanna they don't want to open that uh, portal to hell, man. It's like playing right, with it was like a playing with a fucking Ouija board. That's what they think it is, <laughs> even though I've I know people that have had all sorts of encounters. I mean, I can't say I've I've had any uh, stories of people with any hostile mm-hmm. encounters, but all the encounters, generally speaking, are kind of masked because people know time is missing. And people know that something's not right They They wake up outside, they've got weird marks on their body. Uh, and they know like, you know, one friend of mine that I was working on an emotional picture, she was craft service, she had gotten pregnant and her boyfriend, and she wanted to go to New Mexico where she's from to get married. Cause that's where our, all our best friends are. Mm-hmm. So she got all her best friends together and they went out to this place they used to go to as, as teenagers. And they, all these girls sat in a circle and they held hands and they were like, you know, basically congratulating her for having a kid. And so she came back from that and she wasn't pregnant anymore. What? So that, and so that was one example of someone that I, I know two people that that happened to one of them's family. One of my brother's wife had the same thing happen to her under really weird circumstances.
0: The same similar kind of circle prayer kind no, of thing
1: that was totally maybe that's where it happened she doesn't know but she knows she came back and she had some bleeding she went to the doctor they said you're no longer pregnant you're you've what? had an abortion and what? she's like no i didn't and her boyfriend accused her but i know oh, this girl. man that is and, the devil that is the devil <laughs> right? But prior to Do you this, want to believe that i was you know in movie sets there's a lot of downtime so i was mm-hmm. talking what goes bump in the night and just feeling people out for what weird things they had seen. And she'd said, I don't know if this, this falls in that category, but look at these marks on my head. And she had some red marks on her head. And she says, you know, these marks on my head happen after one night when I'm laying in bed and I hear someone upstairs, which there's no one upstairs running around. Like there's a bunch of like animals or pets or some little, someone running around upstairs. And she was mm-hmm. like, that's, So she's like, of course, gets up and what got in the window, raccoons? So she looks around, nothing there. So she's like, well, that's weird. So she goes to sleep, she wakes up outside and as she's coming conscious, she's opening her eyes and she's standing at her back door, looking down at the bricks at the back door by the doormat. And that's how her vision comes back. And she's like, what am I doing out here? So she just put it off like, oh, I'm sleepwalking. And she went back to bed. And then about a month later, uh, she went to New Mexico and that happened. So that was, that was weird. That and my, my little brother huh. who has had stuff all of his life since he was six. He's had incidences where he just disappeared. My parents thought he was with us, and we thought he was with my parents. And then dinner time, it's like, where's Jeff? And nowhere to be found. So one time that I'm aware of it may have happened more than once, but I know it happened once for sure. Is he was missing? They called the Rangers. The Rangers had a search party out and now it's like 10 o'clock at night he's been missing for like probably about five hours and uh everyone's looking for him my parents are of course freaked out and then he just walks up right into the middle of all of us we're standing there in the middle of the the street and he's like you know what's everyone doing and it's like where have you been Mm -hmm. and he's like i was at the rocks and it's like we went to the rocks you weren't there he's like, yeah. And then years later, I'm like, when you went to the rocks, what do you remember? He goes, all I remember is looking up at the trees near the rocks, this place we used to hang out as kids. And there was a bunch of flashlights or something up in the tree, separate flashlights or something up in the tree. That's all I remember. And, and then, then there was no way, there was no cars, there was, that, was, that was a mountain. So that was the side of the hill. There's no way lights could have been reflected up in the trees there. And that was when he was six. And then it continued... To this day he has stuff he just sent me a picture recently he was and he says i got taken last night and he's got he sends me a picture of himself sitting there with the shirt off and he's got three distinct bruises right here and it looks like pressure on his chest on his chest and they're red Uh right here and he goes i woke up with these and and i had the same thing happen to me once I was in 92, the same year I saw three UFOs. uh, Actually, yeah, I saw, no, two UFOs in a row. Uh, In LA. In LA, outside in the valley, broad daylight with two other people when I was shooting, working on a movie crew, broad daylight. It was that same year I woke up and I had two bruises on each arm here and here. On your biceps, inner bicep? I went, I was shaving and I'm like, what's that? And I'm uh-huh. like, that's weird. And then I'm like, wait, they match. I had two identical marks right there Uh-oh, and there. They're and they symmetrical, huh? So I was like, I don't know what that was, but it reminded me when Jeff showed me his three bruises, I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> you know, it's somebody carrying you. I didn't know what it was. Man. But but, the, but that 92, is that the bruises? I had something visit me in my room, which was really bizarre. Like and a button. What was it or what did you, what do you remember? I I woke up, it was probably like six in the morning during the summer. It was in 92, it was probably the beginning of the summer, late spring. And the sun was starting to come in through the blinds, probably about 6.30 in the morning. You know, just the angle it happened to be in the morning and it would shine on my bed. So it was one of those mornings and uh, I'm just, I'm laying there and I'm about to get up. And something says in my head, there's someone I'd like you to meet. No, it's and I'm talking like, to you. It's like, what, what? You know, and I was like, what the hell? So I sit up like, what the... just happened? You know, and I look around and in the air from coming from my right is these bars of light. And they're about this long, maybe about three and a half inches long. Mm-hmm. And they're probably almost a foot apart, maybe 11, 12 inches apart, and they're moving simultaneously away from my right, out into the into the room, including to me, and into the wall next to me where the sun's coming in, so I know it's not the sun, but right. they're amber, they're amber lights, and they're probably look like lines on the road, and they're just moving super slow, just moving away, and they're all moving at the same speed away from the, this right corner, And so I'm looking at this, I'm like, what am I looking at here? And then I look and in my, on my nightstand, I see this gray bulb, probably the size of a grapefruit. And on it are these long windows, these long little rectangular windows going lengthwise up and down, Mm -hmm. uh, or yeah, from top to bottom, these little, they're not square, they're rectangular, but they're on this little globe. And out of them is coming the light. And I can see it. It's bright and it's hitting the wall behind the nightstand and lighting it up as it's going right through the wall. So I'm like looking at it, like, what the hell? And as I'm trying to make sense of it, the voice says again, and this isn't my father's voice, it's a very familiar voice. Uh, and my father was still alive at the time, so I know it wasn't okay. my dad. But the voice, the second thing it said to me is, like, this is the one that likes you. And as I looked at it, one of the beams, one of these little bars of light hit me. And as it contacted my body, it was the most intense feeling of joy and love. And it was an awesome feeling. I've never done heroin, but, you know, it was like just the most incredible feeling. It was like a punch of love. It was like, whoa. And it hit me. And it just totally knocked me out. And I fell back, I fell on the bed. I was just so stunned by it. And I kind of came to my senses and I looked, my wife is still, you know, on her left side facing away from me asleep. So she didn't hear or see anything. So I'm like, this this is just in my head, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I looked around, the thing was gone. So I don't know what it was. It wasn't a bad thing, but it was bizarre. Other people tell me it's like, oh, if they say I'm the one that like you, it's that's probably you know evil spirits because they want to, you know, get you by your ego or something. And I don't know. I never had the feeling that it was anything malicious. I just uh, felt like oh, so someone likes me, and it kind of made me feel good <laughs> and give me confidence to do some things that I've been procrastinating doing, and got off my butt and just like moved ahead and a bunch of things in my life that I needed to do. So I don't know if it was an impetus or a catalyst it that, motivated it, did happen. it it that, did motivate me. wow that's fucking it's crazy that same by the end of that year i i was living in new york city i was divorced you know i was like starting my life over holy shit but it changed your year. life it changed it your changed. whole life maybe but maybe that would have happened anyways but so, so I, how much i was pretty i was miserable in that relationship at the time and but... maybe that's why the thing came to me maybe it's my imagination trying to make me feel good because i was so miserable but I don't know, it was an outside thing. I thought it was my imagination, but the fact that I saw it, and then I recently looked up the, what light looks like. Like Einstein was always, one of the first things he wanna do is, is look at light in a still form. So mm-hmm. they've got cameras now, Japanese have took cameras that are so fast, they're a billionth of a second. And they can, they're so fast that they can freeze light in oh. form. And guess what it looks like? It's bars of light with space in between. So that's what you think you were seeing. I think I was, maybe my time, my dimension was slowed down or my view. And I saw light in a slow form because it was moving, however, slowly. But I don't know. That's, it was interesting that, I, that the, the light I saw was amber, like lines on the road and that far apart and just moving super slow. But when it hit me, it did make me feel amazing. That's I mean, it could be,
0: man, maybe you're dimension hopping. You're going through some porthole where you like, you slow down everything so much that you can actually like, you can, you can make these
1: leaps in time and space. Maybe, maybe we're all capable. One time in my life, probably about five years ago, I was on the computer and I was doing something on eBay. And I wanted it to, it was like 7.20, and I needed it. I was like, hurry, just be 7.23, all right. (laughs) And I was in this mood, and I'm just looking at the clock, watching the seconds on my digital clock go by. And I'm like, it's, and I'm like, I was just in this indignant mood. And I was like, it's 7.23 right now. And holy shit, it's 7.23. I jumped three minutes. It was like, you can do that? (laughs) And you know, and friends that I tell that, oh, your digital clock can can hiccup and blah blah blah. I'm like, dude, I've been no. a Mac person since the the mid '80s. You know, mm-hmm. when they first came out, I've never seen a clock jump three minutes. Man, so maybe that's possible. Maybe that's we will something in into existence. I don't know. But when I did that, I was like, you can do that. You can, yeah. Time like that. No, there was a friend, there was a friend
0: back home when he was tripping on acid, apparently cut the faucet on with his mind and it freaked everyone out. Everyone saw, everyone saw him do it. I didn't see it, but I was, I was there and everyone was freaking out. And I was talking to his sister afterwards and she's like, this has changed my life. Like I have to, I have to Uh wake up tomorrow and my life is different. (laughs) I, I know more shit than I used to. Like that was fucking crazy.
1: Um, yeah. You, who knows what's possible? We're, we only have five senses and you know, there's way more going on than we way can see more, man. Look no. at like Wi-Fi and microwave. We can't see that shit. I wish I had a, like a screen that I could look in and then our camera and then I could look and I could see where the Wi-Fi is. So I can see <laughs> like, that's really dangerous. I'm putting that somewhere else. Or, yeah, I have a little Geiger counter radioactive thing to check, but you know, that's not the same as actually being able to see, like I have a tower phone tower, not too far. I'm like, what does the rays look like on that thing? What what's yeah. reflecting off in my house? Man, you probably don't want to know. You probably right. really don't want to know. That's probably why
0: they're not available. There's, there's enough <laughs> shit. There's enough shit to wade through in this life, let alone
1: the things you can't see. <laughs> but do you know and talk. And my look, one of my other brothers is a medium. And he's, he's talked to a lot of my or about four of my relatives. When they passed away, they went to him. No shit. And yeah. let him know that they they would left. And then he calls my mom, my brother calls, Jerry calls my mom. It's like, you know, Hey, uncle Craig just visited me. And she's like, yeah, he's in the hospital. Give him a call. Your brothers have all visited him. So I go, or he calls the hospital to talk to me because he just passed. So it's like, it was confirmed. And it happened to a bunch of relatives of, of his. So he he wasn't looking for it. It's just, he's just happens to be sensitive to that.
0: Man. It seems like, it seems like your family's touched in some way. There's something in the bloodline and there i've talked about it before where it's like these hybrid uh there's a lot of theories about especially if you get visitors especially if you get a visitor that says that Mm -hmm. they they like you and you Mm -hmm. you know um there's a possibility that maybe uh your family has a a lineage that uh comes from when it surprised me yeah and they're, they're coming they're coming either
1: to uh uh, check up on you, or they're just yeah, you know, uh, or they're cattle. They're, they they want to make sure their cattle is right, and who knows what they're farming. It could who be knows? it could be experience. You know, they could. I I I heard this story that was that was pretty believable of a woman who was uh, abducted, and she was shown this chair, and she says it looked like a, one of those egg chairs from the sixties. You know, mm-hmm. that that hang from the ceiling. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to have one, of, like those. one of those. It had a little white white seat in it. And it was kind of glowing, kind of beige-ish yellow on the outside and white inside. And she said, and they they offered her, they go, they go sit down in here. So she sat down in there and they're like, close your eyes. So she closes her eyes and she's flying over a forest and she's flying over the forest. And her vision is so good. She can see insects on the ground and she's probably 30, 40 feet up in the air in this vision she's got. Mm-hmm. So she's floating over the, the um, forest and she can hear the flop, the, the, the sound of air on what she thinks are wings. She, she's like, it's like someone put a camera on a bird and, but it's not just a camera. She can look anywhere. She could, she's looking around and she can see the ground and she can feel the wind. And she's like, I am a bird right now. <laughs> and she was like, so she opens her eyes and she looks at her host and says, that's incredible. How'd you do that? And her host says, we recorded that. So if they can record a animal's experience, why can't they record a human's experience of trauma or pleasure or whatever? And then that's entertainment for some someone in some other realm where they can just go to the you know, to the peep store and like, Hey, I'm going to have sex with, you know, you know, three elephants or something or whatever, (laughs) you know, they put their coin in and and they put on their sit in the little egg chair and it's like, Oh, I'm having this experience. Maybe that's why they're farming us. Maybe it's our experiences. Maybe they don't have emotions. They don't have love or fear or hate or trauma. Maybe they're very boring and they're so advanced. They just like, why go through all that trouble? You know, just like, you know, so I don't know. I, I just, there's a million reasons that they could be taking us. Maybe it's a genetic thing. Yeah. One of my little brothers, the medium has perfect teeth. He's a mechanic. He never brushes his teeth. He eats spaghetti three meals a day. He's not like- unhealthy. He's got perfect white teeth, you know, like they're like he had braces,
0: you know? It's so like- your your brother, that's the medium is not the same brother that experienced the missing time when he was six No, no. different brothers.
1: That's Jerry. Jerry's the medium mechanic. Jeff, my youngest brother, has been experiencing those things to this day. Just, I mean, things like he was living in North Carolina and, and once a week or so, his whole house would hum in the middle of the night. And he mm. would outside. It's not outside, it's only inside. So, and he's seen like a globe, like a blue globe, when he was up in Montana. He lives in Montana right now. Oh, he just moved to Tennessee. But he moves all over the place, and he tends to pick places that are out in the middle of nowhere. He's uh-huh. he's a horse wrangler, breeder. He also does tile. He's had tow truck, tow truck gigs, all sorts of other things to employ himself. But it seems like he always lives out in the middle of nowhere. Like someone is suggesting, he lives somewhere that near where there's no people, so they can keep doing their work. They can stay, they can stay in contact. So and he's had there's probably a hundred experiences and I personally seen things that I couldn't, he couldn't explain nor I like he comes visit me on set one time and he's got this, you ever, you know, those tuberculosis shots people used to get was like a million pinholes. Mm -hmm. It's just, he had this round thing on one of his arms, I forget it was left or right, but it looked like a tuberculosis shot where there was like a hundred pinholes in this circle on his arm. And then within that circle was a triangle with even finer pinholes. And it was on his arm. And he's like, I don't know how I got this. What the fuck? And, it, and how long it, does it last? I don't know. I, mean, I don't even remember it because it was one of the things where he visited me. I'm like, what the hell is that? You know? And he's like, I don't know. thought you'd like that. Kind of cool, right? I don't know what it is. <laughs> kind of cool, right? <laughs> and, and another time he's got this square. So casual about it. He was because nothing he could do about it. He's got a square. Like a white square on the black part of his eye, and I'm looking at that. Look at Have you looked at yourself in the mirror? And he's like, Yeah. And I go, What's that on your eye? He's like, I don't know. I think I ran into a pine needle or something. I'm like, What do you remember that? Yeah. Well, <laughs>
0: uh, well who knows, man? I mean, he he seems like he's had a lot of um, experiences he remembers and possibly doesn't remember. Do, does he have any? And do you, in your experience of 92, in '92 and any of his, remember the craft?
1: or any craft and is it similar well my brother jerry uh has seen triangle crafts black he and, he and he lived up in the, the the mountains my folks had a cabin up in lake arrowhead and that's where jeff saw my youngest brother saw a lot of stuff and disappeared that mm-hmm. time where the rangers went out we were up in our cabin up in arrowhead and jerry was up there and they both looked up and they he, they were with friends and just talking about it and he goes yeah there's one right now and there's a triangle blackout of the stars right above them, a gigantic black out. You could see the stars all around this, but not this black triangle. And another time they saw this, white. he said he saw a white disc. It looked like just flat and white. And it was probably, you know, 40, 50 feet in diameter, but it was perfectly round and it was probably about five feet thick, but it was just like a host. It was just like this white disc going through the sky. So, they you know I think those ships are all personal every every ship's different for it's, the pilot probably it
0: varies <laughs> and yeah and I mean and honestly it could be man made it could not be there's Absolutely. um there, I mean there's military base
1: bases all over right I mean true so but they I mean, the, like the, the other craft like Jeff my youngest brother saw a craft that was uh he woke up in the middle of the night in front of my parents house in the street in his underwear and he looked up and as he looks up, he sees a green craft of some sort shooting over the mountains. So he goes back in, like, I don't know how I got out here. And what am I doing in my underwear? So he goes back in and the next day in the paper, in the green sheet, there it is. And he called me and he said, check the green sheet out. And I did. And it's like green light scene over Chatsworth mountain. So he saw it and other people witnessed it too. And in that same house, he woke up in the middle of the night. He, he's probably about 15, 16 at the time. He woke up in the middle of the night and it sounded like someone was pushing the glass on his bedroom window, like cracking it, like just pushing pressure on it. Mm -hmm. So he's like, Jeff's like six, two. So he's a big guy. So he stood on his bed. So now, and he's about to release the the blind. He's pulling it down to let it let go and roll up by itself. And now he should be looking down at someone because he's standing on his bed Mm -hmm. and he's looking outside where if someone's standing on the ground, even if they're six feet tall, he's going to be looking down at him. Right. So he's looking opens the blind up and he sees a silhouette of what he thought was like a Bigfoot because it had no shoulders. It was like a sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. And he says, this was like 10 feet tall. And he man. screamed. My parents called the police. The police showed up. They said other people had seen it in the neighborhood, uh, but there were no footprints. So, what? so that same it's, house. One other floating, thing happened in that house where he wakes up in the middle of the night crying and he looks at the end of his hallway and this big black thing that was so tall it couldn't even make the door make the door jam it was like bent over and it was looking at him in a giant black shadow with red eyes and it said nothing but he got the emotions of i'm going to miss you i love you hmm. uh, it was all these mixed emotions all simultaneous and he wasn't afraid and he was just like crying because he didn't want him to go is is what he woke up like out of a dream like oh, I'm conscious and my dream was saying, I miss you, I don't want you to go and that's the emotion he woke up to and then he felt all this other emotion coming from this thing. So those Man. are three things that happened in that house alone and and, and it Man. continued. It just kept The missing time, he has two missing time things that he can't explain. One, when he was taking his dogs for a walk in the desert, he lived in Lancaster at the time and he said he never did this before, never did it after, but he felt inclined to take his two dogs for a walk. So he told his girlfriend, I'm taking the two dogs for a walk. So he put them in the truck, headed to the desert. On the way to the desert, uh, he finds himself, Car stop, truck, he has a pickup. So his, his, his pickup, he's outside the pickup now. One second he's driving, the next second he's in the shade next to his pickup, leaning against the back tire. His two dogs are outside, sitting down next to him. So from one second he's driving, the next second he's sitting. So he's like, that's bizarre. He goes home. His girlfriend's like, where have you been? You've been gone four hours. And he's what? like, "He's like, I haven't gone, gone that long. Something weird happened. And I just came right back home. And she said, no, you've been gone for four hours. Holy shit. So that's a witness that witnessed him being gone. And other times, no witnesses. Like another time he was in that my parents' cabin again. He was just cooking breakfast. So one second he's cooking breakfast. The next second it's four o'clock in the afternoon and he's standing in a different part of the house. And he's like, am I having a stroke? What the heck's going on? What so two missing time things where giant chunks of time were just gone in an instant. So, and there's, he has so many just kind of prosaic little things like that. You know, it's like, why make up anything like that? And oh, I but know, they, but they continue. So there's just so many little things that, continue even to this day that happened little bruises like i was saying little sounds he hears he sees ufos so he's seen crafts i've only i've seen three the first craft i saw when i was 13 and we were in a boat like we were camping and two of my buddies were with me and we rented a boat and we were out in the middle of this lake in california at a campground mm-hmm. and we wanted to go as fast as we could so we all got in the back of the boat So the front of the boat's out of the water so we can get the less amount of drag as we can and go as fast as we can. So I'm cranking it and we're going as fast as we can. The tip front of the boat's way up in the air. And so you can only look left and right or up. You you know, there's the the boat's too, the nose of the boat's too far up. You can't look forward. So we're all like looking left and right and up. And when we all look up and this thing, we thought it was a kite because it was making no sound when I shut the engine off. But we're looking at it and I shut the engine off like, what the hell is that? It was like bigger than a 747, one of them. But it was like one, imagine one gigantic 747 beige triangle, kind of a grayish white triangle, very square looking too, not rounded. It was like a square wedge, like a piece of cheese or something. Uh And it had another one point to point. So it kind of looked like a bow tie, except the one on the right on the one side kind of had a heat wave to it almost I didn't know if it's a projection of the same thing like this is a, a projected copy but it wasn't as solid the one on the left was solid the one on the right point pointing to the other one pointing to the left seemed to just have a heat wave on it and the left, one on the left didn't didn't and it was making punch holes in the cloud it was going in and out of the clouds so we were deathly afraid and we ran and told our folks and and they remembered it for years. They said, you guys looked like ghosts when you came back. after. Wow. South. I got a question. Did, did you, did you happen to report that? No, back then, the 69. Because I, didn't I know fa- if there was a way to report it back then. I found a report. I did. I, to rents.com, I, I listed that, uh, that incident. I I want to tell someone, if I, because the, when I listed that, there were no triangle UFOs. When I put that. I put something in Rents just to you know document it. So yeah. if you check, you can find a bow tie, you know, Lake California, you find my my segment in in rinse. but no one I haven't seen anyone mention a bow tie shaped UFO since that a lot of triangles and at the time the UFOs that were reported back in 69 were all disc. So
0: mm-hmm. what I
1: saw, that's why I thought it was a kite because yeah. it was a triangle and it was kind of squared off triangle. And it was silent, but it was too way too big, and Massive, it was just going. Yeah. You know, there was no strings. Obviously, they would need a giant tether for something that big. Yeah, but there was nowhere to really report, and but it made me a believer at that point. It was like, wait a minute, there's something else going on, that- right? Yeah, man, I have to. I have to post the link to to your actual report that you wrote because yeah, I found. I looked I, for it the other day when I was looking for the lake. I knew that I could find it there, and I did find it. Yeah. So, it, so I can. Exa- I can send you the link too. It's exactly what you just said. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's fucking nuts, man. And that was your first. That was your first. That was my first. Yeah. And you were just with two two friends, two other and people. And the weirdest thing about that is uh, that was '69. My dad passed away in 2000. Like the 2000 the second day in january he wanted to make it to that millennium mm-hmm. so and he did he did and it's funny because he was in a lot of pain he was playing piano every day and two days before he passed away he he couldn't play piano he's like all right i can die now." that's it so my brothers yeah uh, i wasn't there i was in new york but my brothers were there with him uh, the day he passed and they're like oh new year's you know and he hadn't played piano for two days so he wasn't happy and And my brothers came in and go, Dad, you made it. It's you know, it's midnight. You made New Year's. And he's like, Oh, good, get my gun. (laughs) (laughs) It's my dad. Man, that's
0: (laughs) fucking beautiful, if you ask me. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) So uh you had the one in 69, that was your first. Your brother's got, I don't even know how many uh sightings he's been abducted. Numerous
1: times and Bigfoot too. He's seen like Bigfoot. Bigfoot kind of things. Recently he saw he was driving his tow truck and he saw off the side of the road when he's coming around a corner, probably a eight, nine foot Bigfoot, black as black with a very black face. Uh and he drove past and he made eye contact with it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't know if I should turn around. And he didn't turn around, but he he said he made eye contact. He said and he says, it must have let, known that I was there and let me see it because I've n- never seen one like that, I, that I'm looking at it, you know. This is in that, Montana? No, yeah, this is in Montana.
0: See, man, I, these, all of these creatures and beings are taking advantage of your brother's alacritous nature. It's like they know, it's like I've heard uh, you'll get abducted uh, or if you get abducted or if you have these encounters, you're willing or are you I like kind, you kind of you kind of ask for it sometimes
1: like I are think they they it's know we you, sign up for maybe yeah before maybe or even born maybe some you know? do it's like, yeah and it's like we must be participants because Jeff was got the feeling like he missed that guy you know right he was, he like an like, old
0: friend or something
1: right so I think we're probably volunteers or we know what's going on but our memories are wiped and it seems like your you know, brother
0: is at least I
1: mean it seems like
0: he he's not uh it's not ruining his life it's not well he doesn't want to
1: investigate he's not interested in investigating doing going through hypnosis or any of that Mm -hmm. and he's but he's had like his first wife had a he was living on in la up on mulholland in an old fire house these that where they have what's it called it's like a, a house that they can look over the hills for fires, but it was a it used to be a fire station. Oh, just a fire watch. Yeah, fire watch. So it was a, it's a house kind of on the top of a hill. It's a fire watch, but it's way the fuck away from everything. So he was working, and his wife Stephanie was home by herself, and she saw this thing, this this being, and it had a kind of a iridescent green suit on, and she kind of described it as a gray what she described it had a big eyes, but it had a kind of an iridescent green glow to it. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't there. Like it was a projection almost. Huh. So she's looking at it. Like I'm imagining that. So she's looking at it. She like looks away and then it's like five feet closer. And then she looks away and it's now not outside the fence as she saw before. Now it's inside the fence between, you know, where their house and the fence. So she looks at it and she races inside the house to our uh, races to the window to shut the blinds. And now the things in the house, in the coffee table, it's like the coffee table is there, but it's also there. It's like, what? it's like it's there, but it's projected into the coffee table, a wood coffee table. A, 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 my brother makes these wood, you know, out of big wood chip wood slices. Mm-hmm. It's the very super thick, Clear stuff. So it was one of those homemade coffee tables. So there's no way something could penetrate that. It was just now it's in, now it's there, but it's in the table. So she, Stephanie freaks out. She goes in the bedroom and she just locks herself in because she didn't have a cell phone, but there was no cell phones back then. So she locks herself in the bedroom. She's pregnant. I forgot to say that. So she locks herself in the bedroom till my brother gets home. She, she's deathly afraid. This thing never came in the room. And my brother gets home and, and she's screaming at him. It's like, what did you bring? Cause she's heard all these stories and he's called this thing when she was there just to scare her. And she says, that's another story of her, him hearing a big thud and then hearing footsteps, you know, to call this thing with a Indian chant he used to do, but getting back to Stephanie, she's now locked in the bedroom. Jeff comes home from work and she's totally freaked out. She's like, something was in the house and she describes it and he's like not doubting her like okay you're not crazy and you are freaked out right now something's not right and then she's like and I'm bleeding so I need to go to the hospital something's wrong with the baby so she goes to the hospital once again you've had an abortion you don't you were no no, no, there's no tissue in there what and they broke up after that it fucked the relationship up so that's the second incident that where right. that you know that happened, that of, happened. Of, yeah of, and maybe it even wasn't hers you know that's maybe that's what i'm assuming it wasn't hers and probably this other girl this craft service girl probably you know these things are planted and put in there for a reason to make new Jesuses or something <laughs>
0: <laughs> well yeah so uh, that's the thing you know jesus uh the immaculate uh, conception that's yeah um, that's a little fishy.
1: That's a, yeah, that's a little interesting. And Jesus had no kids. Hmm, I wonder why.
0: <laughs> that is a that is a hybrid alien baby, if I've ever seen one. No doubt. Yeah. Um, well, how is there is there any any other stories you got that you want
1: to throw out there? Oh, there's there's so many eagles. So many. There are just there's Jeff has probably had more experiences than I've had. I've had things you know, go bump in the night and not know what they were, were, you know, Uh, but Jeff's experiences go, they've lasted his entire life. Um, The ships he's seen are are only ships from far away. My son has seen UFOs. No uh, way. Hills. My son saw, he took a picture of it. I've got a picture of this blue ball, this like blue thing in the clouds. And he's like, there's it's Hollywood, you know, it's like right Right near uh, Laurel Canyon, near the mountains, near near Hollywood, mm-hmm. and uh, so there's no way he thought it's not some projector because there's no lights from below, and there, it was cloudy, so that if there was spotlights shooting you up see, to make yeah. that thing, and he says, so he watched it. Maybe it's a helicopter shooting a light down, or you know, he just like stops his car, listens to it. It's no no sound. So That's those kind of sightings, I've seen. YouTube stuff of people taking pictures of the same kind of thing all over right. the world. Man, so the Leech Boys are three generations deep. Yeah, my dad's seen them. I definitely seen them. My kids seen them, definitely. Man, see, that's that's it's,
0: but it's in not the, it's in the book.
1: I mean, and it's like that, that experience I had where they said, This is the one that likes you. I never thought of it in a negative term, I always thought of it in a positive term, like I'm lucky. Or something like that. Until I, I was doing a fear gig and the psychic, not a psychic, but these two people came up to me and they were giving me props about this video I did with this as a caregiver, and they were saying that was so sweet. Uh you're very, you know, very compassionate, very empathic person. And and so I'm like, well, describe this. And I described that situation of the of the gray ball in my bedroom. And and she says, Well, be careful because you know, some entities that that are malicious will try and you know, stroke you, you know, like, Hey, you're really nice It kind of groom you. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought of it after that, like, Ooh, that's really <laughs> creepy. I've been totally groomed. I'm like, and it kind of gave me the creeps for a while. Like, God, they, you definitely had me. As time goes by, I'm like, I I don't reference it as a negative experience. I refer it as a, as a positive one and still do. And Whoa. I think it did good. It got me off my, you know, butt and, And I got out of a bad relationship and got out of L.A. I just my car had gotten stolen. I had like three contracts. I was supposed to get signed. I didn't get signed. I broke up with my wife. My car got stolen. L.A. riots. I'm like right at that same time, that same year, I saw those two UFOs. And the two UFOs I saw, uh, my second sighting. I'll tell you about that, was in the valley in broad daylight. It's like. Middle of the day, I'm working on a movie. And I was working transportation, so you don't do much. Yeah, long hours of sitting around. and Yeah, yeah so not much to do. So I'm talking to one of the hours. drivers, DJ, and the security guard, Gil. So these are two of my, my homies that I work with every day. And mm-hmm. we're just outside shooting the shit. And it's a super windy day. And the wind is blowing north, due north, from right to left, because mm-hmm. we're facing uh, east, I think. Uh, anyway, the, this wind is blowing from right to left and probably up as high as a telephone pole. I hear the sound of trash. It sounded like plastic trash bags kind of like being blown in the wind, like with a lot of force, there was no mm-hmm. fan sound, but it was just like, just like, it was like a kind of like that sound. Mm-hmm. And also the sound of, imagine if you're, Uh, there's a party inside a big room with a bunch of people, but there's no music, there's no other sound, but the sound of people talking. And you open a little door for a second. And you hear those people talking all at once, and then you shut it again, right? So this sound of trash got our attention first. So we look up. And as we see, it looks like something probably about, maybe about four or five feet in diameter. And I couldn't tell how thick it was, because it was a ring and the center of it was hollow. There was nothing in the center, but it looked like trash bags, white something. I don't know what I thought, it, because it sounded like trash bags. That's I thought it was paper.
0: Yeah, it, that's what you associated
1: white, it with. And it was, it was spinning. It was spinning clockwise. And as it was spinning, it moved from right to left. And it was up probably the size, height of a telephone pole, maybe a little higher. And it was moving... Pretty fast. It was probably moving, I don't know, about 50 miles an hour, I'd say. Wow. From left to from right to left. And as it went by, I heard for a second this loud, like a bunch of conversations, like a bunch of people talking, like, you know, just <laughs> I could hear it fading people, people, people. And it was, what? Like,
0: it was like, what the fuck was that? That was another universe just kind of skipping. That was a parallel
1: universe ripping through there real quick. We look at each other like, what the fuck? And then we (laughs) look, and there's another one right behind it. So now we see both of these things going off to the north, and we're out in uh, Pacoima, and there's these high-tension, high-power lines, high-voltage lines, You know, super big, giant. So it's headed right towards the wires of this, and we're like, oh, this would be good. That trash is going to run right into those power lines right so right before it gets to the power lines it goes up and it, when it gets past the power lines it goes back down oh it dodged We're like that's not trash right <laughs> that's the smartest trash i've ever seen so that the, the weird thing is like i've heard other people hear conversations like there's a big party going on up in the air and there's nothing there you know there's that uh i don't Do, remember the uh it's the floating star wars bar yeah, I think so. It just needed like. <laughs> uh, so that, that those are three. I I don't know if that one at the triangle one was two and one or one projection, but I had mm-hmm. two sightings and and both of them had it seemed to be two crafts. Identical too, two identical crafts. So I don't know. I, and the bottom line is I was with witnesses. And what I was going to say about my dad's funeral is Jay. uh and Stephen, Jay Kern, Stephen Gould—the two guys I saw that UFO with—in uh, '69, we were both in the boat. My dad's funeral. Now it's 2000, mm-hmm. and the two of them are there. I haven't seen the two of them together for years. So the three of us together, and I ask, I'm—I ask Jay first. I go, "You guys remember that UFO we saw?" And Jay's like, "Hell yeah, dude! That changed my life." And Steve is like, "What?" And we're like, "The UFO, dude." the white ufo triangle thing, and he's like i don't remember that i'm like how could you not remember that and right. i'm like dude you were taken <laughs> yeah
0: he he yeah he's got the he's the one with the missing time he's the one that doesn't remember right they wiped gone. his
1: memory wow man <laughs> but sad. i've heard that too the wiping memory there's a there's a classic case it's about beyond creepy is this uh youtube channel that i'll watch once in a while that's actually pretty interesting it just reads a lot of stories He's a good narrator, mm-hmm. a Canadian dude. And he talks about these three musicians that have a gig. They're playing at a house and the party wraps up and they're putting their stuff in the van. And this kid, you know, a little younger than them, asks them for a ride home. And normally they wouldn't, but they're just like, well, well yeah, all right. You know? So he takes them on this off road and it's just this long way on this off road. And they're like, where the fuck do you live? You know? So they finally, are going down this road and this craft is just sitting in this road right in front of their van Mm -hmm. so they're like holy shit what the fuck's that and so they're looking at this thing they're like lock the doors lock the doors and they can't now their car won't start they're just like fuck you know and they're looking at this ship and these beings get out of it and they start walking around and trying the doors and the kid opens the back door up and because he opens the door up, the snare drum falls out and rolls around. Uh-huh. Now they've, now these beings have access to them so they can get in. So they, they get in, they basically paralyze. I forget how they exactly, they get the guys out of the van, but they actually humor them and they have a sense of a humor and they're kind of like, they have some empathy. Cause one kid hits his head on the door going into the craft and the, the captain or the leader says, are you all right? You know, should I have mm-hmm. my one of my crew look at your head? Are you okay? You're sure they were asking act they were caring for them. So they went in and the one kid had long johns on and he didn't want to take his underwear off. So they were, he was putting, digging his heels in. So the, the leader, they were calling him the, the captain or whatever said, you know, what's the problem? And he says, he doesn't want to take his underwear. Can he leave his underwear on? And he's like, yeah, leave his underwear on. You know, so they were having this nice conversation with them, but, and they ended up putting him back and, uh, the, the band leader gave him as a recorder and the guy, the thing put it on his nose to blow it. That's how he, his air flows through his nose. He thought that was weird, but he wanted to give him as a gift. So he gave him a recorder as a gift. So he's, they're driving away now they're back in their van and they're driving away within 20 minutes. The other band members didn't remember anything. What they didn't remember. And he's like, and so he forced himself. He just kept like a chant or a song. He just kept, I will remember this. I will remember this. I will remember this, you know, and he kept writing it and then he would write it down. So he didn't forget because something he says was tearing away at his memory, trying to make him forget. And his bandmates totally forgot. Right. So that's advanced, you know, it's like, we think their technology is advanced, but civilization that's millions of years old, developing Has all kinds of powers. We have no idea what they're there's so many steps ahead. It's like right. Well, uh, they're here, first off. I mean, you know, but
0: you know, and there's obviously some sort of exam going on if he's taking his pants
1: off and yeah, I think so. I think I don't know. I'm gonna grab a water. Um, I don't know what their experiments are. I'm imagining it's genetic.
0: Yeah. I mean, who knows? what the the exam is i mean it could or it could not be an exam it could be
1: uh an implant that they're implanting yeah, that could be it true there definitely could be Im- implants i had a a weird thing i don't know if it was related but i had a a thing that happened uh in new york when i was living in new york they uh i i was having it's a weird ass problem it's it was like it's kind of bizarre but when I would have an orgasm, I get a bunch of pain in my balls. Like what the fuck is that right when I orgasm. So it was like, I went to the doctor and this Russian woman, she had a ball taking the sonogram on my balls, you know, with the <laughs> KY jellies, her nipples right. were getting hard. She was enjoying the job. <laughs> I could tell, but, uh, so the doctor's like, you've got an inflammation right in the muscle that releases your sperm. And it's only there. It's like, you've got a, a, like, it's like a red mark. It's like a little inflamed mark right in one spot. Like someone put a hot iron right there. Huh? And, and he says, I can't explain it what it is, but you know, uh, you know, here's, here's some pain medication and just don't have sex for a couple of days, you know, and it, it went away. It was like, I didn't need meds or anything for, it. I don't know what it was, but, you know if, and i've heard about that people being you know taken and uh you know they don't even want have a, a hard on and boom they they get this electric shock and boom they they have an orgasm i've had i there was another thing i was going to say I forget it'll come back oh to i want I, um,
0: I wonder if the the um like the burn spot or whatever the fuck on your testicle was seriously like some post Sur- surgery, maybe
1: uh, I think they were
0: milking you and then they,
1: they had think to put they, some stuff back together. <laughs> they were milking me, but they do it the easy way for them. They As just soldered you back together. Right. The only uh, memory I have of, of anything, any face-to-face experience other than that ball was I had a, a kind of a flashback dream that was kind of traumatic. And that's why I remember it. I can picture it right now in my head because I have a flash Mm -hmm. of of something grabbing my crotch. It's like, and my knee-jerk reaction was to punch. Right. It's it's just something grabbed my crotch and I punched. When I punched, I saw this face. And it wasn't wasn't like a gray alien with the pear shape. It was a round, more round face with an old man kind of face old alien face it was like wrinkly an aged alien it was aged and he had black eyes interesting and they were round they weren't like the almond grays Mm -hmm. they were round but they were big and he just he looked pissed off and so i'm i don't know if that's my imagination right maybe it's just a dream but it's like it was traumatic it was like when i associate with that it was like i remember somebody grabbing my crotch and then Punch! It was my knee jerk, like boom! How dare you? You know, and then you woke up, and then I don't. I woke up, of course. I'm like, you know, what was that? And and then I I don't even remember the face. The face was something later that I got, and then I was like, wait a minute, that face and the crotch and the punch are all connected.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it could be a dream, or it could be you coming to, like you know, in the middle of surgery basically and uh getting you just um come to they have to stop what they're doing and you're
1: yeah. back you're back to reality and it's like shit this one got away right he realized so oh, maybe what, i don't know maybe I, you know maybe i wish that would happen and i certainly don't wish any any you know abduction for anyone but right i think of it less and less as a, an abduction rather than an inconvenient thing that i signed up for at some point for some reason well,
0: do you think instead of an abduction, do you think that they're actually infiltrating uh, your unconscious mind, or maybe tapping into wherever the hell we go when we're dreaming? Like, if we're I think ag- so.
1: I think that state is is our is our true state, our right. state when we're that's our soul. You know, our you know, when we dream, our brain is turned off basically, and we can go, we can leave our bodies or whatever, right. and maybe there's an ability that they have that, that we're not aware of, of where they can take our soul while we're sleeping. Our body is just on automatic pilot and they can use that soul to reconstitute us somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Cause I've heard stories of people being two places at once. When someone was in the hospital after an accident, people saw him at some Island that he was supposed to be at on vacation at that time. Right. And then when he finally gets out of the hospital, He goes to that island and everyone knows him. And he's like, what's going on? So those are documented cases of people like that. So maybe that's possible that we can actually reconstitute without our body. Kind of like the matrix, I guess. Right. Yeah. No, that's it's it's
0: kind of freaky when you think about it. Because it's like, if they have the ability to tap in and kind of um, um, do whatever they want to us. Basically, in an unconscious state, while we don't know what the fuck is going on, but they do because they're far more advanced. Uh-huh. It's, just, it's it's just like freezing time, like in the Twilight Zone episode or whatever. It's like you, you can make time stop and make everyone stop, but yourself, right.
1: but yourself. And that's you know? what Einstein said. of what they're doing? Einstein says time is one of the dimensions, and it's not solid. It right. moves like, and he he just through mathematics and he discovered how if you're traveling. know 100 miles an hour time goes slower for you you know that's bending time you know you haven't done anything but gotten a vehicle now you're going 100 miles an hour and your time you travel for so long and you synchronize watches you stop now your your watch is ahead of everyone else's Mm. so that's that's a fact that actually happens in aircraft to this day so if that's possible maybe there's other ways to bend it with a lot of energy or i'm not sure but Shit, fact, we don't know how to do yet. There's element 15. I don't know if you know what that is. Mm, it's a new no. element called Muscovium. And it's developed in Russia by these Russian guys. It's a it's a it's it's like millions of times more uh powerful than uranium. Mm-hmm. But they have to make they have to put it in some cold fusion form in order to work. But that's what they think a lot of these crafts are made of. It's this incredible, they've harnessed this element 15. Right. To the point where that can bend time and space. You know, when you got that much energy, magnetic forms—they say like a uh, gravity in one dimension is visible by us as another form of magnetism. You know, mm. it may be gravity in that dimension, but we see it as magnetism. So right. there's the cross-dimensional things that the physicists are, know. There's like eleven dimensions. Because that explains, that gives them a perfect explanation of physics. And with that many dimensions or that many things happening simultaneously, sharing the same atom, fact that one atom without time and space, one atom can be a million places at once. Therefore, the one atom, the carbon atom in our body can actually be everywhere at once, which is inconceivable to have right. one atom inhabiting, making the atoms of our whole body because it can be... And more than one place at the same time. Just those sort of concepts are just like not anywhere near anything we can even imagine.
0: Yeah, we don't know shit, man. It's, nope. <laughs> it, it's, and I, you know, I, I don't pretend to even understand, but I, all I can think is um, it's just as far as the human mind and science can reach, whatever is really, possible is like a billion times beyond oh
1: yeah wonder, we have five senses. we can go <laughs> we have five senses and <laughs> yeah. that's how we see the world right and there, you know there's way more going on i've had oh yeah absolutely i've had a you know I, i'm studying animal communication mm-hmm. because i had a i think it's another form of communication that that's been lost you know the industrial age killed natural medicine it kept killed We didn't used to sleep like this before the industrial age. We slept in segments of three and a half hours, Um, without electricity, we didn't have, you know, artificial light. So our, in the last 120 years, things have changed incredibly as opposed to what's been happening for millennium before that, like our sleeping habits. That's Mm -hmm. just one example, but we're, we're just still developing, you know, we're, we're still figuring it out.
0: Very, very young, very, very young species. Like I was listening to this interview with uh, Duncan Trussell and Avi Loeb the other day, and Avi Loeb was talking about how there are more habitable planets. There, there are as many habitable planets than there are like grains of sand on the whole fucking right. Earth. You know what I mean? Like just uh-huh. think, about, think about that. Think about how how every thing else. And everyone else that is out there and how low we probably are on that, that totem pole.
1: <laughs> the fact we can't communicate telepathically, it right. seems like everything else, every other animal, some people can communicate can. plants. Some people can, and and it takes meditation, which is hard for us in our world. It's so full of inf- new information. Right. Every second.
0: Right. Well, I, I keep coming back in my brain to that that uh, orb with the the shafts of light in your apartment that changed hmm. your life and slow. That's like a slowing down of time and uh-huh. uh, all that stuff. But I'm I keep thinking like because um, you mentioned how you were, your your friends have mentioned how empathetic you you are and uh, how you know you got this great sense about you. I'm, I'm curious before that moment where you felt this immense joy and this thing kind of like seemed to penetrate your body and mind and positive, like soul, everything. Like, how was your empathy before that moment? Were you like a different person?
1: I, no, I don't think I was a different person. So it but, didn't change you in that way. But I think it was like the pendulum swinging the other way because I was in a miserable relationship. I would married a woman that I really wasn't in love with. I'd gotten her pregnant before I moved, was headed for a European tour. And I was living in Berlin when she tells me I was she was pregnant. So I was very unhappy prior to that for a long time. I'd just gotten a, a relationship, married my, my friend with benefits because she got pregnant. And I wasn't happy. There was nights where I'd go to sleep crying and I'd wake up crying. I just was not a happy camper at all uh, in that period of time and i knew i had to do something my son was probably about seven or eight at the time so i was like okay is now is it safe to go you know i was so tied to him and felt responsible for for his well-being Mm -hmm. and i i wanted to stick it out but i was like not well and i started seeing a therapist and the therapist never told me to leave my wife or any of that stuff that i ended up doing change coasts or anything but he was kind of a cheerleader at the time, but I was miserable. And that moment was like, it, it showed me, it was kind of like taking mushrooms. You know, if you're, you know, it just makes you feel so happy and you got your face hurts. It's smiling so much and you love everything. It's like that sort of a feeling is what I got. And it had been missing for a long time. So I was this vacuum created. So, I don't know if psychically it filled in and it's happened once before that, that extremes. Um, one time before this is probably around uh, probably about 12, 13 years ago, you know, Caroline, mm. little Caroline, she's part of our little posse. She played with, in Shane's band, she was playing a uh, sax and uh, I think keyboards in Shane's band, you know, I anyway, don't know if I do brother David, um, uh, Anyway, uh she's just a friend and, mm-hmm. and she's and at the time the caroline was probably 20 and i'm 50 so there's no funny business there but i was hanging out she was cool energy just really good person and i wasn't attracted to her there was no nothing like that i just thought she was cool she's one of us you know so we could enjoy music together so we'd hang out when we were at shows together so at that time i just i'd gone through a divorce maybe a to a year or so before, and I had, I was betrayed, so I had no romantic interest. I was like, I'm not going to even, that was the farthest thing in my mind, being romantically interested in anybody. I was just like pissed off and bitter, mm-hmm. and so uh, Lickety, Tom and my band were, were playing the No, mm-hmm. so Caroline shows up, and we're watching the opening band, and she's standing right next to me, and the weirdest thing happened. It's like it came on like a brain aneurysm or something. It was so weird. It was like, it came on, it, it faded in and just blasted. It was like, a, it was like, but it was love. It was the strong, that same feeling of incredible, great love just exploded. It was like,
0: and
1: it was like, holy shit. And Caroline standing right next to me, And she's so innocent and sweet. And I'm thinking like I was zero romantic love, good feelings. I was just empty of that for about a year. Right. That moment at the no, when she's standing next to me, I got this incredible feeling and I'm like, Holy shit. You know, and I had all this and she's the only thing I could figure it out was from, it was because of her. Right. I told her about it and I said, don't go, you know, I'm not, you know, Mack and you here, but this (laughs) happened and I still really have these incredibly strong feelings for you, you know, and I'm just take it as a compliment, you know, that you're a great person, a great musician Mm -hmm. and take it as just, you know, as like my, you're my muse. So with that in mind, I wrote like five of these really beautiful love songs, unrequited love songs that are amazing to this day. They're really good. They're poppy drum and bass kind of poppy things. I haven't released them, maybe right. someday, but but it gave me the impetus to write these songs and I could stay so focused for so long because that moment was just I could rewind it in my head. It was just this incredible rush of love and just joy and awesome the, feeling. The so same had, the same feeling. Except I didn't pass out. The first time when I was in bed, I passed out. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh I can't explain that. So that was maybe it happened. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's like Schizophrenia or something, but I don't <laughs> know. But it, it wasn't a bad thing. No, that, I,
0: I don't think I don't know if I can really think of anything that's like that that's ever happened to me. But that is pretty interesting because you know it's like this one likes you, and right? You, and you get this it overwhelming was in- feeling.
1: But I it was to like me. I needed. I felt, of course, my my family loved me and my wife loved me mm-hmm. at the time. I just was miserable. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends were adopted from my older brother's friends, so they all called me Timmy you know, I was Jim's little brother. And these are guys, you know, about five, six years older than me that I hung up really awesome musicians and engineers and just the whole squad of people that I was hanging with were older than me. And these were kind of my teachers and my mentors, but they looked down at me like, Oh, little Timmy, you know? Right. And all my friends were like, not really seeing me for who I was. And I didn't feel like I fit in with anybody I wasn't like the macho dude, like all the drivers I work with. Right. I wasn't gay, but it was like, there was like, I don't, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. That's kind of what, one of the things that made me feel like I got to somewhere where no one knows me and start over. That's why I went to New York and it was the best thing for me. Really? I write a passing at 35, but it, I needed to do that. I needed to leave all my, excuse me, past and my friends and my family behind and figure out who I was so that ball had something to do with that, that and, it, and it fed all this romantic and loving feelings that i didn't have for years so i think similarly with caroline i was missing these romantic love feelings for years i pushed them down like styrofoam and mm-hmm. it came rushing up so maybe the first one was that but why the ball and i've ne- and why the reason i put it into t- rents is i've never heard anyone ever talk about a ball with that kind of light coming out described. So I'm anxious right. to see if anyone else has seen that there's my imagination, but I was not high. It was six 30 in the morning, you know, right. and I'm looking at this thing totally sober and my wife is asleep next to me. And I'm like, looking at this light, like, what the hell is this? You know, like, and I wasn't scared. It was just very, because of the the voice of my father in my head, like, there's someone I like you to meet. Yeah, that's the other thing too, is your, your dad's voice too. It was just right. it was it was like my dad's. It was like my my immediate connection was like father, mm-hmm. you know, and not like a godfather kind of thing. Right. It was just like like this is someone I'd know and love. You know, it's like there's someone I'd like you to meet. Mm-hmm. This is the one that likes you. That's the two sentences they said. That's all they said. And whatever that little message was really helped because it right. was the first time I felt that love rushing back in my body. It's like, you can do this. That is amazing. That is amazing. That is uh, like. Uh, yeah. It wasn't uh, traumatic. So it's most people were like, it's not interesting. Oh, you weren't picking away and anal probe. It's like, wow. <laughs> I was given a big kiss in the heart, you know? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't
0: have to be, it doesn't have to be like that. It's just like a punch in the gut that
1: takes your breath away and yeah and, and, that's what and, it was like it was like a punch of love right it was like, whereas with caroline it came it faded in it was like a Wah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> a different vibe well yeah and now I look at you yeah
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> if it wasn't for that who knows where i'd be you wouldn't be here you wouldn't be here with me hmm. that's for sure <laughs> well hell tim
1: is there uh anything else you want to bring up yeah i can't think of anything. Uh, yeah. Any other people I know? I can't think of anyone else that's been had a one of their babies taken. But uh, those are things that I've I've read about. Other things, and most people are like, "Ah, oh, yeah, right, sure, yeah. yeah." You you had an abortion. It's like, no, I know these two people. So, I know so these wild. girls. I know these women. So they freaking. would not make it up. And right. Stephanie had no. My brother Jeffs when he lost their baby, that broke the relationship up. You know. Right. So it's like. And she wasn't looking to break up. You know, it's like neither one of them. He Jeff was so freaked out by her. He was like, she was like, you carry around weird shit with you. And he's like, you're fucking with me, you know. But as time went by, he's like, that was so fucked up. That was like, you know, and Jeff, he doesn't have any kids, you know. And he loves kids. Right. Man, It's. I wonder
0: if it has anything to do with them. Maybe. You know what I mean? Like, uh, selfishly. I, I, just a wild theory to throw out there. I don't know. But that's that is that is like a sad part of the story for sure. Uh, but but he, I think he, people, he seems okay. He seems yeah. okay. I mean, things seem to be. Yeah, he is. Okay. I
1: mean, Jeff's you know, he doesn't have his life that much together. You know, it's like there's he jumps around jobs, but there's things he loves to do. He loves work. He boards horses and wrangles horses so mm-hmm. horses have been a big part of his life and he just makes his living at whatever to, so he can afford to keep his horses and but uh well, well man you guys are going to have to take a family vacation and i have a
0: suggestion <laughs> uh go back to catalina because they have ufo tours oh nice you wow, can do, do that's awesome you can do the catalina ufo tour and they say that there's a amazing Catalina magnetic vortex energy that instantly relaxes visitors and wow. residents. I'm like, uh, that sounds too intense to be relaxing to me. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it is very relaxing. I've never been, but the UFO tour, uh, I was reading some of the reviews. Apparently it's really great. You should awesome. check it out. Just
1: take the whole family down there and relive some of those great USO memories that um out in trout lake you know here uh out yeah Multnomah falls this guy richard you can look it up but he's got a ranch gillian ranch yeah he can every night he says you come out you give him a donation yeah you look straight up you see these balls of light shrinking and yeah and and every night so there's a portal there apparently out out white salmon you know Trout Lake area. Trout Lake.
0: Yeah. We used to go camping in Trout Lake, uh, just off the campground there in the woods. Uh for that sp- we wouldn't go to the and ranch, but we would just go into the woods in Trout Lake and stare at the sky. I never saw anything. Yeah. But uh yeah, apparently, you, saw apparently
1: what's that? Justin saw he was in uh Mount Hood. I forget with who Brody. I forget one of his buddies. They were mm. camping. They just went out for camping trip and they weren't taking acid or anything, but they were out and it was the middle of the night. And they said the sky flashed so bright, the entire sky that it blinded them. So they're like, "What the fuck was that?" And they're like, their eyes are readjusting, like someone just shot a flash bulb at them. But it was the entire sky went flash. Wow. So they're like, "What the fuck was that?" You know. And as their eyes kind of adjust again, they see this dude, and he was kind of hunched over, walking, and he's just kind of hunched walking but it looks like he's got a bunch of strings of christmas lights over his shoulder around his neck hanging dangling and he's just kind of walking through the woods you know across the valley and he gets there wasn't that far away that they could see him and they could see these christmas light things hanging from his around him and they're like what the fuck's that flash and then this, this dude this shows, shows up it's just, like a fucking terminator man right who knows what that was and his other friend uh at another visit uh, found a campground with a fire that was cold but all the cans the beer cans were the old kind of beer cans with the pop top that you have to pull off right you know that comes loose mm-hmm. and there were all those kind of cans but they weren't rusty so he's like uh, someone must be doing like a movie they figured props or something because it was brand new cans but they were not rusty or anything so he was like uh, that's uh, interesting that's- So he left and did not think about it. They come back like a week later to show his other buddies, like check this campsite out. Nothing's there. Nothing, not even the fire, nothing. (laughs) So that's, that's Mount hood. So (laughs) yeah, out there still talk about a vortex, man. Uh, Yeah. That's, that's wild. I I need to have Justin on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Talk about that. His buddies or he's got, he's seen things himself and, but he's like one of, he wouldn't surprise me if he's like been taken or part of the, <laughs> the people they collect. Cause he's just got a giant heart. He's right. super smart. He's super talented, but it's like, think of it. It's like if you were domesticating animals so you could steal their fur, like foxes, for instance, they domesticate them. They find the most docile foxes. So they're not um, a pain, too much of a pain, even though I wouldn't say pain in the butt because you know how they kill them. Right. They electrocute them through the butts. No way. That's how they do it. They kill foxes, so it doesn't hurt their fur. But so they domesticated foxes to get them more docile. And as they domesticated them, they started barking and their ears got floppy. Foxes. Interesting. So if they're abducting people or taking people willfully, wouldn't they want the nicest ones?
0: (laughs) Yeah, the people who don't, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I was saying about your brother. Maybe it's just like uh, the 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 willing folks, the nice folks, the docile folks that uh, either kind of invite it in their own way, or they're just like, you know, not put not put up a fight, not cause a big stink. And if I mean, you're
1: breeding, if you're breeding for cattle, wouldn't mm-hmm. you want to handpick those with the nicest personalities? Of course, True. they've got to be healthy. Right. You know, I just but nice people and healthy bodies. Right.
0: Yeah. Justin's a talented man with a dinosaur heart. So he's going to. True. It's like perfect. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, that's uh, yeah. Let's wrap it up here. Is there Definitely. anything, is there anything music wise, since we're talking, talking Justin and everything else that you got going on or uh,
1: anything? Oh, we got uh, nasal rods practicing again. We have our second practice in a year t- tomorrow. So that's awesome because we got about five tunes. We want to do a split uh, record with Victims Family and tour with those guys. Probably do Europe. Um, They've offered some. We love touring with those guys. They're they're awesome and it's it's a it's a good fit for a plan together too. So that's coming up. Fear's got a a date uh, November sixth in L.A. There's a big punk festival out in the desert or something. Um, (laughs) I just uh, remixed uh, a couple of Fear things. Uh, I had to remaster them. I didn't have the, the, uh, the two inch uh, on a Belushi thing that I produced before Belushi got the budget to go in the studio to cut that song Neighbors for the movie that he Mm -hmm. was doing before he died. um, We had to do a demo to give the production office to get the big budget to have Steve Cropper produce and do it in Cherokee. Jagger was vocal coaching. But before we got that big budget, we had to do the little budget. And Mm -hmm. I was, Producer for that little budget, and John was paying me five hundred bucks a day in '82 Oh, oh that's to hang great. out. So we're just hanging out, just partying all the time. I'm getting paid a fortune for me back in those days. I made five hundred bucks a week sometimes, right. but uh, I'm getting five hundred bucks a day. And he and I are hanging out every day. Two weeks before he died, he cut his communication off with me, and that's when he started doing heroin. Uh oh. And i never talked to him again after that but i was with him every day prior to that and we were going to the studio you know we'd hang out we'd eat we'd shoot the shit. but then we'd go in the studio he'd try some vocal ideas you know and we were going there was a couple of studios in the valley that we we're going to but anyway at the end of all that i did a mix uh with him singing it no one else and with that demo we got the big budget and there's also a version with Lee Ving singing You can tell Lee Vings trying to show John how to sing. And John was doing his own thing. Mm -hmm. It's not vocal coached by anyone, but John, maybe me producing a little bit saying yay or nay, but uh, I didn't change what he was trying to do. And then by the time we got in the studio with Jagger and, and, and Lee, they totally were micromanaging him. And it was funny because Jagger was singing a line that was like, neighbor, it's kind of a bluesy rip. And John doesn't sing that on my version It's prior to him being vocal coach by anyone, but the version we ended up doing with Jagger going neighbors. When that song wasn't released, Jagger's like, Hey, I got a new song. So this neighbors, Jagger's version, the stones version comes out same line neighbor. <laughs> so he just took it from himself. Just basically. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're going to be releasing this. Demo. So I just, I just remastered the actual demo. So it'll probably be, I don't know if I'll do a single or what I'll do, how I'll release it. But one is version with Ling, uh, Lee Ving, singing. And you could hear John sings once. He goes, ah. <laughs> Probably so coked out, he just, ah. <laughs> came out. So Fear and John Belushi then. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really a song co-written by John and, and, and Fear. So that just came out. Then there's another project that I just found that I remastered. That's in 85, uh, Flea just had left the band. And we just got a new bass player, uh, Lori from the Dickies. Mm-hmm. We're friends with the Dickies. So we got Laurie, the bass player to play with fear and we're just fucking around, not doing punk stuff. And we did all these songs under the name pig iron. So the band pig iron was kind of born and it never really went anywhere. We didn't do any gigs. It was just like, did some recording at a recording or rehearsal studio. Well, I have those recordings. Mm -hmm. And when I was digging up the blue sheet tape, I came across this pig iron. It's like, Oh shit. And it's like, this stuff sounds dope. It's, it's not punk, but it's Lee, it's very bluesy. And, and I think we do a, we did a version of more beer before we did it anywhere else. So it's very, very early version of more beer. So that's going to be coming out too. So both those things, pig iron and a blue sheet thing, I just finished working on prior to that about four about, I don't know about six, eight months ago, I remixed the second fear record and I did it here at home, which is so dope. It was transferred from two inch to 96k. So I just brought it up and it was so amazing. Because I when I first mixed that album in '85, I had two hours to mm-hmm. mix the whole record. Holy shit. That's it. I had two hours. I was told, okay, now the mixes. I'm like, the whole record. So I was, I told him, don't even give me credit for mixing, or I was supposed to get credit for production. On the more beer fear record i said don't put me on you don't there. even want it i was so disappointed and pissed was that Man, that's just yeah.
0: a budget thing huh
1: yeah because we had already paid for two days in cherokee so we blocked the days out that killed our budget so at the end of those two days he goes you got two hours to mix what the fuck so i mixed begrudgingly and so when i had the opportunity i talked to Fear's manager and asked him uh, if he's got the two inches so he got them baked, transferred them a one-time transfer. I brought them up here and finally I mixed it right. And I'm so happy with that. So that, (laughs) that album is out. I think they just re-released it. It's got a green cover instead of red, more beer records. So those are Uh, all fresh things I've been doing on my system here, but it's, I love cutting on tape and mixing at home. It's just so So, nice because I can walk away, have a coffee, smoke a joint, come back fresh ears and keep going.
0: Right, man. Are are
1: these things that you
0: probably wouldn't have been able to get you if it weren't for quarantine? Yeah, probably.
1: I I mean, I was quarantine was another story. That that put me on a different trajectory entirely. I made myself available for any work because I'm I've been working for myself since yeah. since 2000. So an opportunity came up uh where I got a call from a production office and uh this woman's like, uh, you're, we want you to, this is Netflix and we want you to teach some of our actors how to play drums. I'm like, great. I go, I'm in Portland. I go, you know, thinking I don't want to move to LA ever, (laughs) no matter how much you pay me. And, uh, and I go, if it's in Portland, I can do it. And they said, well, when are you available? I said, I could do mornings like nine to 11. It's like, that doesn't interfere with anything. I, got right now and she's like all right so they'll be teaching this actor jordan i forget jordan's last name and i didn't know what the movie was i didn't know what anything so i get in i'm just teaching this guy who doesn't play drums at all how to play drums and i love doing that take him from soup to nuts right and i got him rocking you know and his mom was like he loves this you know mm-hmm. he's like six 17 i guess yeah all right 17 and a half because he turned 18 towards the end of the movie. But I got him rocking. And then the prop department's like, can you help us set up this mega kit, this double bass with you know three up, four down kind of thing. Just ridiculous, symbols galore. And the prop guy has never really set up a drum kit before. So I, in my spare time, I'd go over and I'd set up and then I'd have to race and do my thing. And after a while, they're like, can you just be on set all the time? <laughs> And I've, I've charged I, you know, I charge like 50 bucks an hour for drum lessons. So I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm available. If you want to book me solid. So it's like now I'm on full crew from 11, 12 hour days, five days a week. So I'm making bank dude. Right. Was that, was that Moxie? (laughs) No, this movie's not out. It's called metal Lords.
0: Metal Lords. Okay. Uh, I didn't work on that obviously, but my friends did, uh, yeah, that would have been cool to work on set with you, man. Be-
1: yeah, it was dope. And the people are so great. And then I finally asked uh, the UPM, you know, production manager. I'm like, I went up to her one day. I'm like, you know, I've, I never asked you, how'd you guys find me? And they said, well, Dan found you. And I go, Dan? They go, yeah, Dan, Dan Weiss. And D- D.B. Weiss is writer and producer of Game of Thrones as well. He's the man. So he's the writer on this thing. No he looked me up and found me, and then told the production office to hire me. Oh, that's so, fucking great, man! And I didn't know who this guy was. This is three quarters way through the movie. I finally figured. Asked her who who hired me because I didn't care. I'm there on set all day, right? And uh, so then I see this this guy's on set, and people are like, "Oh, Dan's here, Dan." And like this, Dan is his vibe is an artist, man. He's chill. Mm-hmm. He's like one of us. He's just a musician. He's down to earth. And you can tell he's focused out here, not like I'm me. Right. And so when he would come around, it's like Dan's here. And I always thought he was the guy who we rented the guitar pedal board and the guitars from because he, he'd he come on set, you know, and he'd be playing guitar or something. And one day he's playing Let's Have a War. So I'm like standing there playing Let's Have a War with him just for fun <laughs> on the drum kit, the prop drum kit. That's
0: so and fucking I'm, awesome.
1: And so I don't know who this guy is. I I just think he's cool. He's like a musician. I'm like, oh, you're the guy we rented the guitar amps and the pedal board and guitars right. from. Them. That's who I thought he was because that was his vibe. And uh, then finally, I I see him sitting in a, the producer chair, and I'm like,
0: let me yeah. Google
1: DB Weiss. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> he's the man, and he's so dope, dude. He's just <laughs> so chill. He's just a family man. Right. He's just super smart. I mean, I was calling off uh, musical terms for uh, for violins hitting. And he knew them. It was like, you know, musical terms. And he, he's like, check my kid out. So his kid's probably about 10, 11 playing this awesome classical piano. Like, uh-huh. holy shit. And I'm like, dude, your son's got a calling card for life. He'll break ice anywhere with that, those chops. He oh, you know, said, bring a good musician. has made me friends in total new cities, new towns every time. I yeah. said, have that for life. So we were just relating on a father basis and I realized this guy's just so fucking talented and, you know, probably very six, obviously very successful, but just down to earth. Right. And he was the top guys and the other guy, Greg, the other producer also just chill people. It's right. just so refreshing. Just have people just be. Man, down to earth, and especially and on
0: a film set. Man, I would that sounds like some uh a, sh- a, mo- a show I'd actually like to work on and have a good mm-hmm. time. Yeah, I'm, I'm bummed. I, I think offered to
1: join the, the, the union, and I may, I, I don't know what I'll do. I gotta, I mean, a, working on crews, you know, it's like 10 12 hours a day, right? And there's other things I like doing, you know, I have other work that I do, and yeah, it's a life stealer, man. So it gotta, is, but gotta, I do. I, it's The nice thing about work of motion pictures and TV stuff is uh, you work five to six weeks mm-hmm. uh, and you're off. Right. In this case, it was months. I was there. I started in October and I finished in in May, I think. So mm-hmm. it was a good run. It was, it was yeah. a full, full full on feature. Yeah. But there's a lot of good connections came out of it. Just good. awesome people. And Lo- you can say no, too. Working with me. Right. And I, I've worked on crews from '82 to '92 in LA, so I know the game. I know, yeah. you know, I know all the rules. And it's just jumping back in now. There's no speed from the film in those days. <laughs> they don't say speed, and then afterwards, print. they do. They do. Oh, they say. Oh yeah, say speed. they
0: stay, they still use all those terms, even though it doesn't really. I mean, I they- didn't hear them. It just funny. It's yeah, like, oh,
1: they I do. don't hear speed. No,
0: definitely, definitely. That's his the, video. Uh, they don't have to wait for the camera speed to get up. Um, the uh, the uh, sound guy um, yells speed. Right, but
1: but there was no sound. No there's sound even. speed. It was, all,
0: uh, it was all digital. It's all digital, but they're still saying speed. And there's, um, I guess, I didn't hear it. Yeah, um, or print, of course. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, check the gate, print that. You know. It's, it's uh, pretty it's pretty funny, but I haven't worked in like 15 months. So what I'm I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, so- well, I, I had a 25-year link in there where I didn't work on motion pictures. Or even <laughs> on sets. I'd done post work. Right. But uh, it was just sort of a cool refreshment of, oh, now this is how it's done. And it was cool. Right. that monitors are so dope because video, I could be looking. And the DP, she was so good. This woman, Mm -hmm. German woman, was so amazing. I was just sitting, you know, twiddling my thumbs. But one of the monitors is near me. And just the framing. This woman's, her perspective and the way she would make. It was like, damn, that's a fucking postcard. You know, just every shot was just so beautiful. Well, Now I got to see this movie, man. Yeah, it's a good story, too. It's really sweet. It's it's a good uh, rising to the top sort of story.
0: Well, fucking a, dude. I'll look out for it, and uh, maybe I'll go to uh, some screening if they yeah, have if one I get eventually. Premiere, yeah,
1: I'll, I'll invite you. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, awesome. Yeah.
1: Man. And, I, mean, uh, I imagine I'm just probably going to be in LA, but who knows? You never. But, know. uh, they, but was, they do. DB or Dan actually, you know, responded to. I just sent him a text saying, you know, thanks for hiring me and using my skills. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Just giving him a little text prop. And then he texts me back with this long thing saying, it was great working with you. You did so good with the actors and blah, blah, blah. blah. And, and You're in, you know, and then he was just like, you know, what are your other works? I want to get them. So my soul, Eye record, which I put in two, out of 2002, he's like, I've got a crank right now. And I'm like, you got a subwoofer. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, a big one. I'm like, crank it, dude. <laughs> so Perfect. he's just supportive and encouraging, man. I just, so, just enjoy working with someone like that. That's so fucking talented. And so huge that, Mm -hmm. you know, but he just feels you, you know, because he knows I'm not about myself. I'm, you know, the joy that we're spending together. And it's not about me. And he's like a musician. It's like, it's not, we're not playing. I'm not playing for me. It's like, I'm playing for the band and the three Mm -hmm. people playing at the same time are creating this fourth thing. That's the music. And we're all holding the stick, keeping that Chinese plate spinning, you know, that's one of the musicians. And that's what I feel. Like he's one of those guys. He's good. He's like, not about me, dude. It's the plate. Right. It's all about it's all about the plate.
0: Making sure <laughs> that it stays
1: intact. Yes. Well, Fuck, dude. Maybe I'll see you on set one day. Yeah, dude. It'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. I might might take him up on that. You know, it's like where I'm at, I'm working a retail gig part time or almost 40 hours a week just to stay afloat because all my students, I had like 20, 30 students. That I was living on before I uh, COVID hit, and that mm-hmm. crashed and burned. Then all my band gigs died, so I had no income. So I had to take a retail gig, but I dig it. The Cody, the owner, is a musician. He's a friend of Justin's. That's how I found him. So it's just nice to have your boss actually be a musician. And he let me off uh, for this whole Netflix thing. Just all those months, he's like, "Do your thing."
0: Where's that job, by chance? Herb stomp. Oh, Herbstomp. that's so. I knew you were gonna say herb stomp.
1: Word. Cody Cohen. Yeah. Cody's been on the show. Word, awesome. Some of you know Cody. <laughs> yeah. Toby, our friend Toby, the drummer. I don't know Toby from uh, Stress Position. Yeah, Toby's played. You know, for Valkyrie Rodeo. He's a drummer yep. for that. So he was a manager there, I guess, for a while. Yeah, he was. There's been a lot of people that float through there. So it's a good place. To, it's to a great hang place. At for a while, so super should... nice people,
0: super flexible. You should uh, you should go back and listen to that episode I had with Cody. It's great. It's a it's yeah. a wonderful it's a right wonderful right. episode. Everyone, go back and listen to that one. Actually, right on.
1: <laughs> well, cool.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Thank you for being here, man. It was, yeah, really it was fun. my
1: pleasure, man. Great seeing you again. Yeah, Give Julia, a hug and your little one a squeeze. I'm so uh, congratulations on that. That's that's a yeah yeah very rewarding uh, position to be in.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, his name is Lee. So next time awesome. you see next time you see Lee Ving, let him know. Right. uh, That that Jason Dinges' son, (laughs) he he named him Lee, and I'm sure he'll be super impressed. (laughs) Cool. All right, Tim, thank you again, man.
1: Right on, dude.
0: All right, peace. Peace, man. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay, there it is. There it was. Spit Sticks, Mr. Tim Leach, thank you for being here. Uh, That was a lot, man. His family's seen and experienced a lot three generations worth and more to come, I'm sure. So hopefully he comes back and gives an update. Uh, He wrote a book, you know, it's called Diffusion of Useful Beats Exercises Beats and Fills for Drum Kit. So if you're looking to learn how to play drums or if you already play and are looking to get better, why not learn from a legend? Pick up his book uh, I want to give a quick shout out to chairman from nasal Rod. He was bummed. He had to cancel. I hope you're feeling better chairman. Uh, and thank you for, for booking your replacement. Not many people think to do that. Uh, they just bail and, uh, you, you really went above and beyond. Uh, so thank you. We'll get you on in a few weeks when you're feeling better. Uh, and that's it for the week, folks. Uh, how can you get a, a hold of a guy like me? Well, you can email me lost at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Lost Rhetoric Podcast, Twitter, Lost underscore Rhetoric. Uh, you can get on the website, lostrhetoric.com, find every single episode, listen at your leisure, and get on the shop, buy some merchandise. I would love to go to the post office and send that stuff to you. Um, and while you're at it, uh, subscribe, follow, do all of that stuff, uh, whatever your your preferred platform Uh, requires you to do, do that. And if you can, leave a rating, leave a review wherever you can. It really helps a lot. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, And uh, man, that's it. That's it for the 50th episode. I can't believe we're here. Uh, Number 50 in the books. Uh, I really appreciate everyone for being here with me. As usual, I'll be back next week. Uh, And I can't say anything more. I love you all. Thank you for, for being here for... 50 glorious, wonderful weeks. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. I can't say anything else. I'll see you next week. And until then, please, everyone, stay sane and stay safe.